Welcome to Sports Scouts. I'm Joey Goodsir. I'm Mike Rupp. And we are recording this, our ninth brand new episode on Wednesday, April 24th. We're going to talk NHL, NBA, NFL, and even more. But first, Michael will give you some South scores. Yeah, so the boys lacrosse team beat St. Vider 10-8 yesterday with Charlie Silver earning the lockdown chain, coming coming back from injury, and Bobby Weinbender earning the hard hat with his four goals in the contest. They have new cheer to look forward to on Saturday. Boys baseball defeated Waukegan 10-0 in five innings yesterday with Breck Nowick earning the commitment bat with his second home run of the season. He'll be taking on Notre Dame prep this afternoon. Girls lacrosse defeated Lake Forest Academy 18-10 on Monday. They're up. They are up against Lake Zurich today. Boys track and field had a meet on Monday. I mean, yesterday <laughs> against Lake Zurich and Libertyville at Lake Zurich. They have a Spartan Relays on Friday. That was I was there yesterday for the track. It was a long meet, but it was a fun meet, definitely. And girls badminton had had their senior, senior night against Deerfield. Has it tonight against Deerfield. They most recently played against Glenbard North at home on Monday. Boys tennis had their senior night as well, but it was yesterday and against Zion Benton. They are squaring off against Libertyville. Tomorrow, girls looks, girls soccer played Warren yesterday. They are in Waukegan tomorrow. Girls softball was at Mundelein yesterday, and they are up against Zion Benton at home. Girls track and field was at Libertyville yesterday. They have Lake Counties tomorrow. Uh, boys volleyball was at Evanston on Monday, and they will continue the road trip with Waukegan today. Boys water polo took on Glenbard North on Tuesday. McHenry is coming up as an away meet tomorrow. And girls water polo was at Glenbard North Tuesday. And we'll have Nutrier at home tomorrow. And last but not least, eSports has their state championship coming up this Saturday. All right. Thanks, Michael. That was your scout scores. And if you want more on the latest in LFHS sports, check out the latest articles, such as uh, Claire Lawler's big feature of freshman gymnast Max Solinger, uh, Carter Horan's uh, boys' volleyball coverage, which is always constant and awesome, and uh, Peter Lynch's uh, big article on club versus high school sports. And then, of course, as always, um, the dugout this week, uh, Peter Torelli was – Shaw's guest. Um, all of that on thefourscout.com. If you didn't hear the sport you wanted to hear, we screwed up somehow. Or if you think we could have more information, which we could always use, uh, just send in the scores and informative news to sportscoutspodcast at gmail.com so Michael can give it a shout out. And let's move into national sports with Show Me What You've Got. Okay, so for my Show Me What You've Got, um, it's, you know, if you know what teams I'm a fan of and what the big news in sports is lately. It's, you know, it's a pretty big story. So it's pretty obvious that this is probably going to be what I'm going to bring in to start the show. Um, but yeah, on, on Friday, early Friday morning, um, the news broke that, um, you know, after a long period of time in which, um, Red Wings fans were waiting for, um, this kind of headline, um, Steve Eisenman, um, was officially announced as the new general manager of the Detroit Red Wings, um, of course, Steve Eiserman, a former player um, and longtime captain, uh, retired number, Hall of Famer, the whole nine yards, one of the most beloved athletes in Detroit, uh, coming back as a GM with um, current GM, with with former GM uh, Ken Holland moving to the position of senior vice president. So this is an absolutely huge story um, for you know the for the people. Um, who live in Detroit and for the people who are familiar with the legacy of Steve Eisenman and, you know, not only his great career as a player, but, you know, also doubling with an extremely great career as a GM. I mean, we've talked about the Lightning recently, how good they are, obviously, despite, you know, a disappointing end of their season, which, you know, Steve Eisenman left um, a year ago, but he built a lot of that and, you know, built a lot of success that led the Bolts to being the third winningest um, NHL team 
um, in the last few years here. So, um, you know, a legendary player that's coupled with being um, a world-class GM is coming back home to the Red Wings. So as a Red Wings fan, as a Red Wings fan, it's a super exciting story. I mean, the best comparison I can draw as far as this goes is for, you know, former players and, you know, legendary figures like Steve Eiserman, who are also good at their current job and are coming back to the, to the organization. I mean, the best, the only, the only example I can really think of, and it, it's probably the best fitting is Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. So it's it's that type of thing, and or it's guy, getting that type of reaction. I guess he really hasn't the same kind of track record, but another guy like John Elway, I guess, being so that's, that's so another big. Good one. Yeah. Of course, he hasn't as of course he has that Super Bowl win as an executive. Of course, it's been kind of a shuffle, I guess, as as a ever since to get a quarterback since they got Peyton Manning. But kind of another comparison of another top athlete at, at his in his prime to then, of course, being an executive. But definitely, yeah, for sure, that's another good example. Yeah, um, yeah John Elway, John Elway for sure is in that type of thing, and he's obviously. Um, done significant um, things with the Broncos in that part of his career as well. So, yeah. yeah. Michael, yeah. what's your uh, story that you're bringing in so to mine start today? was Damian Lillard. I haven't really had that much time to digest. As I said, the track meet yesterday went really late, and we got back. Of course, it was going to be on Monday, but Coach BS accidentally messed that up, but it was <laughs> yeah. all right. Um, um, it was a yeah. fun meet, but it was funny in practice on Monday. We all had – a lot of us just had the actual uniform on because none right. of us brought other shorts, but it, was, it worked mm. out well, and it was a really fun meet yesterday. But, uh, yeah, definitely, Dame Lillard, I haven't really digested any of it yet. I just saw the game winner this morning on Twitter before I came in. Yeah. And I just saw, and I one. looked up his stats, 50 points. in a. After what happened last year, after getting swept four games to none against the Pelicans, the six-seed Pelicans last year, um, it's just Damian Lillard, he really elevated his game. And C.J. McCollum, too, guys like those two guys who they really are a scary team coming out of the – Western Conference, and I think they're one of the more complete teams in the Western Conference. Um, of course, the Rockets—it's kind of wide open this year. I think more than in the past, even in the for Western sure. Conference. Yeah. Of course, the East has been—it's been wide open for a couple of years. Yeah, and we're um, going to talk but, more NBA playoffs, but that's a big conversation. Damian Lillard, lots of West teams trying to get things done. Yeah. Cold blooded when it comes to putting the game in his hands, and that shot—I don't know how deep it was. And I didn't—I just saw. My gosh, it was a thick, almost like. I don't you know how far I think it was at least like 40 feet or something like that. Yeah, it was it was a deep it, it was a deep shot. It was a deep shot, yeah, but for a game winner, that's awesome. And so. I think it just yeah, he just really he cemented himself as last night with everyone watching him as one of the as one of the better players in the game, and he definitely deserves it because he kind of gets lost under the radar with other guys. Be, of course, being on the West Coast, some guys still get attention like um, Steph Curry, of course, being the brand that he's built, but other guys like. Dame Lillard being in Portland, they can get lost under the shuffle with, with other teams and like on the East Coast, like the Celtics or, or even the Warriors, draw a lot of attention to the Rockets. Like they're a team that's often forgotten in the NBA, and they definitely put on a show tonight and or yesterday, and they're a team to look forward to watch the rest of this playoffs. Yep, for sure. Okay, so that was showing what you've gotten. Of course, up next is news. So uh, before we get into the news, one thing I forgot to mention about the whole Steve Eisenman thing is that there were recent rumors, and you know there's there's not much you know there's not much to them as of right now, but um, there were recent rumors that Steve Eisenman, now that he's GM of the Red Wings, is starting to make contact with another former player from his era, uh, Sergei Fedorov, who was a primary member of the Russian Five, a big uh, factor in those Red Wings teams. Um, you know, lots of documentaries coming out coming out about them recently, and uh, the transition of Soviet hockey players into the NHL. 
Uh, most recently, there was one that came out that was just about the Russian Five this year. Great documentary. Check that out. But yeah, so basically what we're seeing this week is there is this common theme of um, returning home. And we're seeing a lot of that right now. So considering that, you know, I mentioned Stevie Y and I mentioned Sergey Fedorov earlier on the show, it's obvious that um, returning home um, is, is going to be that theme. So um, kind of a fun headline has sprung up here uh, with San Francisco 49ers kicking legend Robbie Gold demanding a trade, according to Adam Schefter. And one of the primary motivations behind this move for the Gold family um, was because uh, the rest of his family still resides in Chicago right now. Obviously, this begs the question. So, Michael, what what could our um, what could happen here with our once underappreciated but now very much appreciated golden kicker? Could he be coming back to the Bears? You know, I, I don't know yet, but I th- you know Robbie wants to be here. I don't know what the Bears want to do. Of course, Ryan Pace... Once he came to Chicago, of course, um, it was kind of a questionable move, at, I think, at the time to get rid of Robbie Gold. But, of course, he did have struggles, and I understand why. That final year in his um, before he got cut with the Bears, he did actually struggle. And, of course, he turned it back around once he went back to San Francisco. But he did have his have his share of troubles, and I understand why Pace made the move. So I, I wonder if, if they want to bring him back once again. Um, but I think there's going to be – there already is a lot of competition in Chicago. Of course, they signed Elliott. Um, Fry from the AAF, and he went to South Carolina, I believe, in his college days. And they have other ki- kickers, Chris Blewett. I remember. Yeah, the, we were talking about name. Chris. Chris Blewett. Yeah, he has he has a famous name. And then sure. other, there's a lot of other competition. There's um, another guy I for, from Memphis. I forget his name, but they already have a lot of guys, and I'm sure more will be coming in the list once we get into the training camp. But I think Robbie does. He that's a kind of a. A glaring indication that he wants to be here right. in Chicago. I mean, like he just it, he it couldn't get more obvious. obvious. Obviously, say it, it's pretty obvious. He didn't specifically say I want to be in Chicago, but he said I want to be near Chicago towards my family. But you know that he wants to be here. If he says near Chicago, like come on, yeah. Um, but I think if, if we can get him back, I think that would for the fan base at least everyone. But I think buy him dinner the rest of his life if he came here. Right for sure. But I, I, yeah, it, it depends on what Ryan Pace and. Matt Nagy want to do, and I think I think that the kicker, of course, is the big priority this offseason, being what happened, of course, in the uh, wild card game with yep. uh, Cody Parkey. But I think the Bears have done a good job so far getting talent in the room, the kicking room. They're at least starting a kicking camp. They're we starting know a that. camp, and if we get Robbie Gold, that just I think I think that ends. The I camp, think it just ends, <laughs> ends ends the camp. But I, either way, I think the Bears will be okay. And of course, Robbie Gold was actually at that playoff game, and he saw the Parkey miss, so I think he's. He's motivated, I think, to get back here. If he can get him back, for I mean, sure, I'm yeah. all in. I 100% agree. It's it's definitely on the Bears side of things right now. Um, but I mean, as far as the Bears fan side of things, everybody's excited about this one. You know, um, he's you know he's becoming more and more appreciated as um, a kicker that that has legendary status in Chicago. So if he can come back home as well, this would be um, absolutely amazingly exciting for the Bears. Um, fan base considering what's happened recently so yeah that's that's definitely a big story um and you know recent one so we'll see how that plays out but let's move on to our next uh topic for news yeah so okc's russell westbrook has been hot topic of the 2019 nba playoffs and of course they got eliminated last night yeah against the the trailblazers but non Taylor force performance with it within the games while it's been an ongoing occurrence russell westbrook has continued iciness towards oklahoma uh, columnist Barry Trammell has spiked up once again recently with the utterance of the phrase next question being uh, the common response to the columnist question in the press conferences after the games. Mm-hmm. Many have taken the issue uh, to this ongoing feud 
including Warriors head coach Steve Kerr, who thinks um, his beha- this behavior may be detrimental to the league. So, Joey, do you think Steve Kerr is right or making an overstatement here? So, I mean, maybe it's just my, my you know, I don't come toward the NBA, even despite its success that I'm willing to acknowledge and I understand. I think, in may, may, and my point is maybe my less positive viewpoint of the NBA as a business model and, and the way it's set up as far as player franchise relations, player press relations, that type of thing. Um, so I, I, I want to say that he's right, but I don't know if that's just inf- if if that bias that I have is just informing me too much. But I think that you know while the there there's an there's a clear argument in that you know this could this could I think that there's a clear argument in that this could lead to more and more players doing this, and then there's less and less of connection with the press, and also less and less of connection with the fans. And the connection is one of the main driving points that's keeping the NBA not only in business, but very, very profitable and very, very successful right now. So, I mean, I, I can see why Steve Kerr is saying this, and I pretty much agree with him. I do think, however, that, you know, it he's, he's kind of setting up that it's a slippery slope, and you know, it's it can be considered that it might not be a slippery slope, and that not everybody's Russell Westbrook, and not everybody's going to kind of do this type of thing. Yeah. Um. And this is just more of a specific thing for Russell Westbrook. But I mean, I don't think every player is Russell Westbrook, and you know, is able to do this and get away with it in the same way as Russell Westbrook. But I think that there's lots of players who may think that they're Russell Westbrook. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, for sure, I think that it might actually be a slippery slope, considering that. And, you know, more and more players may start to do some variation of this. And, I mean, you know, it might not be as specific as this situation with, you know, one specific, um, you know, one specific journalist being completely iced out of the press conferences, um, at least from a Russell Westbrook perspective. But, I mean, I think that uh, the NBA has to take this pretty seriously and make sure that, um, you know, their connection with the fans does not fall through because – you know they have a business model right now that's very very successful, but it's extremely dependent on a couple factors, and that's a big one. Yeah, if I'm him, I just w- wouldn't really want to draw unwanted attention. I mean, of course, you, if you're Russell Westbrook, you want to be known for what you do on the court and just leave all the other stuff off the right the and court. Even and that's a conversation right now, so this is just adding to everything. Yeah, and of course, being eliminated now, that's just right exactly magnify the problem. And I think guys like Russell or Kevin Durant or anyone in the league that has a really high stature in the league and very well respected in the league. Just, I think just answer the question and just move on. And just, you, it, you're only there for like 10, 15 minutes to answer questions. Just, just give them what, what they want. And then you can just go home. And it's not that I, I, I believe that Steve Kerr is right. That I think that, like you said, the connection to the, to the fans and I guess to the media too, players or fans and media, they want to hear the players talk after a game, get, get their thoughts. And I think if I'm Russell, just answer the question and then, go home after that like right. it's not that hard i mean it's just it goes along with the whole theme of about how much freedom should players have in a professional sports league which is a conversation we've had yeah so many times yeah, on the show so you know it's it's a big story and obviously you know considering that we're journalists ourselves at this point it's it's an interesting development because we're going to see how it affects culture in the nba uh, so next story, Phillies outfielder Bryce Harper was ejected from Monday's game against the New York Mets as a result of arguing balls and strikes. Uh, Phillies pitcher and familiar Chicago um, familiar Chicago figure Jake Arrieta had a quite bleak reaction to the actions of his teammate after the game, saying basically, quote, 
I don't care how bad the umpire is, we need him on the field, end quote. Harper seemed to backpedal on his actions in agreement with Arietta, but uh, Michael, is this a good thing to be this public right now? First, I just want to say I wish we still had Jake Arietta. I just love, yeah. I just love the Great character player. of him. He's a fiery guy. He just he wants to win. And I would, if I'm a player on the team, I would love to be around him. And he's done great with the Phillies this year so far. And of course, Darvish hasn't really panned out that much for us. But if we could have had him, I would, I would be really happy if you still had him on the team. But I understand where he's coming from. Like I said, he's whether he was in his Cy Young years, the three years that he was on the top of his game, or the years that he was not playing too well in Baltimore before the Cubs took a gamble on him and brought him to Chicago. He always. He always is, is a, has been a fiery guy, a very passionate player. And I think that with Har- Harper being, like I said, kind of like uh, Russell Westbrook, being the stature that they are, I think, you know, just just play the game um, the way it should be. And I think just arguing is they got – I think Jake said that game that the, the umpire was calling the game b- both sides. So I think it wasn't like he was just saying um, the Phillies – it's going to be a rough night for you guys and the other team. The Mets, I believe, they played. They're going to get it easy tonight. Right. It was a, it was a hard, hard. Um, there was a lot of hard calls for both sides, and I think just I think if I'm Jake, you probably should leave that in the clubhouse. Possibly just pull Harper aside and say, "Hey, listen, we we need you out there, and we can't have you doing this kind of stuff, kind of drawing, kind of like Russell Westbrook again, unwanted attention towards the team." And I think I think Harper under, understands this now, and I think having a guy like Jake as a leader in the clubhouse. I think that it, I think Harper will. Of course, he's had some other inc- incidents in the past of, in Washington, but I think having a guy like Jake, who can kind of cool him down, I think this would actually be re- really good for Bryce Harper just to understand that it's more important than just one call, and the Phillies need him out there and in right field every game. So it, if, if if he's healthy and he can fully play, um, just don't have any of this other stuff going on to, to have him cost them a game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Jake um, Arietta was you know described. Um, in this situation by uh, Michael Wilbon on PTI, who obviously has a similar bias that we do. But, um, you know, he's basically described as an adult. And I think that makes total sense is that this is a move where, um, you know, an adult who has a lot of experience is telling um, a great player who has less experience, um, you know, basically trying to keep them in line and acting like a leader in this situation. So while I would, you know, I would be cautious about exactly what is said, um, in you know in interviews and in press conferences and these types of things after games and you know considering the heat of the moment maybe the situation is he wouldn't have said this had it not been right after um but at the same time i think what was actually said was totally fine to be public because it's just showing it's just positively showing that the phillies are building right now as far as uh, building the cubs kind of right building building a new environment you know the, the yeah. Cubs had David Ross that that year when they won the World Series. They they need that um, experience and they need those teaching moments. And this is just publicly showing that those teaching moments are happening. It's not really showing uh, the darkest sides of it. So yeah. arg- I mean, I think that Jake Arrieta was yeah. smart with his wording. So I think that this is actually fine, and this might be turn out to be kind of a positive development for the Phillies as far as just Jake Arrieta's leadership goes. But yeah, definitely agree with you. We we I would love seeing Jake Arrieta back yeah. because he's I, just such a great player. I think the headline was kind of blown out of proportion too. Is like Jake Arrieta takes shot at Bryce Harper. That's not what happened. He just told him like, listen, we're in this together. Right. We, we want to exactly. win together, and this if, is if what we, we need get, to do. If yeah. we have to get rid of the, we have to get rid of this one part of your of your game and your attitude. And I fully understand what Jake Arrieta wanted to do. Maybe they should have kept the pub or private instead of public. But I think it, it actually is a good thing to show that right. the Phillies they they want to win and they're. And they're here to stay, and they have a lot of talented players on their team from now 
um, I guess starting from last year and getting um, getting Bryce this off season, and I think they're in a really good spot as as a franchise. I think and having a guy like Jake kind of rally the troops every now and then is great to have. Okay, so let's move yep. on to our last news. So the very last one, the Stanley Cup playoffs, of course, are um, the roaring start has continued into last week with the Colorado Avalanche upsetting the Calgary Flames and the Dallas Stars beating the Nashville Predators in overtime in a three game and, and three game sevens with the Bruins and Sharks moving on at the expense of, of Toronto and Vegas, respectively. Um, the the third game, um, seven, takes place tonight with the Canes and Caps. So, Joey, is the excitement and, and playoff hype sustainable? So we talked about this going into the playoffs and previewing it when we had Mark on, la- uh, what was it, last week at this yeah, point? Yeah, last week. You were um, on with, I wasn't on with well, him. Well, yep. you weren't on with him, but we were on, it. and I, yep. I think we talked about this even, so regardless. Um, we talked about the playoff format. We talked about the new division. Um the new division format and we basically came to the sentiments that it is going to be beneficial in that it will create a crazy exciting first round but it might be detrimental in that those first round matchups that are going to be awesome maybe should have happened later and so what we're going to see is kind of an unbalance and it's going to start to get a little bit less exciting so this is a reasonable question right here so I mean, I guess at this point, this is this is we're just gonna have to see if um, if this playoff system is proven to be uh, more efficient, and we're gonna have to see if all this exciting hockey that we've been blessed with is not just a first round thing as a result of these divisional matchups. But I mean, this stuff is crazy exciting. Um, you know, two uh, two game sevens. I mean, if the Preds had beat had beat the Nat- the Dallas Stars with one goal in overtime in that game that you know ended that series, we would have had four game sevens. We would have had two last night and two tonight. That's great hockey, which is crazy. Um, and you know, the Bruins once again beat the Maple Leafs in a game seven, which is just kind of crazy for Leafs for fans. I feel bad for them because it just keeps happening. Yeah. Um, and then Vegas, San Jose, on the other hand, one of the one of the greatest games um, of. Uh, this year for sure in that game seven last night that went to overtime. They went to a double overtime the previous game, and now they go to overtime. And, um, you know, the Sharks score the winning goal in beautiful fashion at home to win the series. So there's there's a lot of really, really cool stuff going on right now. And, you know, I definitely think the Stanley Cup playoffs are something to keep a big eye on because it's giving us a lot of really, really exciting moments just so far. Just the question is, is this system going to gonna absolutely – um, guess guys, destroy the later rounds and make it way less exciting. So kind of like a fatigue factor we'll having see. the place against teams that you would probably play later in the playoffs. Right. Just kind of it kind of can be draining it probably for the players um, mm-hmm. having to have to give all. I mean, I guess have, going have to, having to go seven instead of having to go like five. I guess is can right. ma- make a big difference. It's going to make them. a huge difference yeah. for sure. Um, I would like to mention this just before we move on here um, because of all the crazy upsets and all of that crazy stuff that's been going on in the Stanley Cup playoffs um, for the first time. Um, the NHL is announcing that they're going to do a second chance bracket challenge. Uh, and, you know, this is a common thing for March Madness, but this is this is now being um, enacted for the Stanley Cup playoffs, considering that 49% of people, including me, picked the Tampa Bay Lightning to win the Cup, and they, they're out in the first round, um, along with so many of my other teams. My current bracket is absolutely screwed right now. I have nobody in the final, in the final four. It's just, it's bad, um, you know, in the conference finals. But... Yeah, so we don't know specifically because they haven't done a second chance bracket challenge yet, but um, this this is their first time, so we're gonna have to see what what the system is. But if possible, and we'll just post it uh, with 
uh, we'll we'll make we'll sure link, to post it. Yeah, we'll podcast link. we'll post it with the podcast link. We'll post it. Um, hopefully, we'll get it out to all the podcast sources here. But if it's possible, we will have a bracket group for second chance for the Stanley Cup playoffs because it's just so much fun. So you know, hopefully, we can get some people into that. And it basically goes the amount of time in which you can fill it out. Basically, goes from when the first round ends. So that'll basically be the end of the uh, Washington Carolina game tonight all the way to uh, right before the first uh, game of the second round starts. So there's that gap of time here where you could fill out your second chance bracket and try to get some redemption from all the losses that were faced in the first round, but in exciting fashion. So it's kind of worth it to be honest, but yeah, we'll just see what happens. If there's no link posted anywhere, then that just means it didn't work out. But um, if there is, make sure to join that um, Stanley Cup playoff second chance uh, bracket group. We're going to have a sports scouts bracket group and it'll be fun. So yeah, that's news. And we're going to move into Let's Sit Down. Uh, this week on Let's Sit Down, we have Jay DeCoster, um, who is the co-host of the Bear Down Weekly Podcast. Um, and obviously a big thing going on NFL-wise is the draft. So we previewed that. Um, and, yeah, so enjoy that. Welcome to Let's Sit Down. Um, this week we have a very, very special guest who has been long awaited. Um, and we are going to, of course, talk about um, something we've been hyping up for a couple weeks now and is now finally here this week. Of course, I'm talking about the NFL draft. And uh, with us we have uh, the other co host of the Bear Down Weekly. Of course, Shaw has been on a bunch of times. But Jay DeCoster, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. It's good to be out here and let's uh, get it going. Jay, good to have you yeah. today. Thank you. Like we like to hear what you want, or we would love to hear what you think about this upcoming draft. Of course, we know you and AJ talked yeah. about it on the Bear Down Weekly yep, for the for Bears, sure. but just I guess more of a general kind of take on the draft for Thursday. We'd like to hear yeah, what. Yeah, I mean, what do you it, think it's gonna be exciting. You know, I'm really obviously we're expecting Kyler Murray to go number one overall, and it's a good QB class as <laughs> usual. But you know, the de- the defense as far as the defensive side of the ball, I, I'm really in love with you know the guys there. You know, you got Quinn Williams, Nick Bosa, Josh Allen. It's a crazy defensive class for teams like you know the Oakland Raiders who desperately need defense, especially in, you know up front. So yeah, it's I'm looking at these guys and you know very defensive heavy. So it's gonna be really exciting to watch come Thursday. So yeah, with those three first yeah. round picks the Raiders right. have, it'll yeah. be interesting to see what they do if they take a quarterback possibly with the first pick or they go defense. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting. I don't <laughs> you don't, I don't really know what John Gruden's. He's apparently the rumor was he sent everyone else besides yeah Mike Mayock home the general manager. All the scouts went home besides Mayock, of course, the GM, and Gruden, the head coach. But everyone else was at home. It seems like kind of already some dysfunction there in, in yeah, Oakland, which sure. I'm not surprised. But just to, for that to come public, and yeah, it's kind of I mean, concerning, I they're, think, already. They're a big conversation just considering front office moves. And at, at this point, they're they're in a place where they have to really get stuff done if they're going to yeah. win back over their fans at this point. Um, but, yeah, I definitely – Jay, I definitely agree with you in that. Like, it's – the quarterbacks are going to kind of be the face of this draft and, like, you know – if if I were to, um, you know, if I were to write an NFL draft preview right now, Kyler Murray would probably be on the cover. Mm-hmm. But I think that long term, it's that we're definitely going to see all these strong defensive players um, have the biggest impact, have the biggest impact on the league um, in the future. And that's what we'll probably remember from 2019. Yeah. 
Yeah, I definitely agree. And, you know, Kyler Murray, you know, people talk about his size, but you look at guys like Russell Wilson, like, in my opinion, you don't even need size. You right. Know, he's, he's also really fast, and he could run around the field. And I think Cliff Kingsbury, even though I don't really, I didn't really like the hire, I think it'll really help him, you know. I, re- I think it'll really help, you know, the Cardinals, you know, get back to where they were, you know, a few years ago. So Kyler Murray, you know, he's a great talent. You know, same with Dwayne Haskins, great arm, you know. Absolutely. You know. Um, he's, you know, obviously, you know, more more of a thrower than a runner. Stephen A. wouldn't say that, but um, <laughs> you know, you know, coming from Ohio State, you know, he's you know lit up Michigan. Sorry, Joey, but yeah, you know, he's, no, he he's has. A, he's a freak. Obviously, lit up Northwestern. Mm-hmm. I believe what was the score of that game? He scored. It's like in so Joey probably now he knows it was in the fifties that game. Yeah, I mean, fifty something. The freak. I don't even they're, 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 they're all big, basically. They're both freak talents, yeah. but you know, and as far as the defensive side, you know, you got Josh Allen who had 17 sacks this year. I mean, you know, right. it's crazy. And then uh, people are saying Quinn Williams is being they're drawing comparisons to, you know, Aaron Donald. So Right, and he, I mean, I think yeah. he's probably one of the best players in the draft, and he looks like a mid-first rounder right now. So that just shows kind of, there's kind of an underground depth that we're seeing this yeah. year. So, so that's yeah. exciting. And, of course, yeah, if, if the Cardinals do go, of course, with Kyler Murray being the number one pick right now in a lot of mock drafts, it, Josh Rosen will probably, I wonder which team will, Move up, I guess, or kind of step up to the to the plate and uh, take a gamble on them through a trade. I mean, I think yeah. it's worth it for a team like a Giants, like even the a Bengals or a Dolphins, like one of those teams. I think yeah. that would be a really good move because you get a guy that was a early first round. I don't know how he's gonna turn out, but he was an early first round pick last year, and to get maybe a second round pick or a third round for Josh Rosen, I think that's definitely a big win, and you can still save your first round pick if you're a team like the Bengals or Dolphins or. Even the Giants. Yeah, it's really fascinating because last year he, they traded up from seven. I believe they gave around. They gave up like a third and a fifth to get Josh Rosen. Right. Josh Rosen at ten, and now you're just gonna get, you're just gonna punt on him for like a second round pick. Like yeah, I guess I, I mean Steve, I guess with Steve Kine, their GM, I'm not really agreeing with you know what for what their their plan is. But you know if Kyler Murray is the best quarterback, then you know so be it. So you know. And if they knew that yeah, for Steve sure. Wil- uh, Steve Wilkins wasn't their guy last Steve year then Wilkes, yeah. I, or Steve Wilkes I meant yeah if they knew that he wasn't their guy last yeah. year just why would you make make that move if you knew that he was possibly not going to be your long-term coach and mm-hmm. give up mm-hmm. all that draft capital I guess just to well, get a guy I mean, you don't even want. Yeah, I mean in regards to the Cardinals in the first round pick, I, you know, Jay and I were talking about this before the show started, but I mean this is one of those years and it comes pretty frequently where there's one player who everybody has their eye on as the number one pick. And it's I think betting ons right now are extremely high for Kyler Murray. Being picked yep. number one, and reasonably so. Um, but I think what makes the draft so exciting is that could just very well not happen. Yeah. I got to be honest. Like, I, I don't know. I'm, I, w- I would be willing to put a lot of my money on Kyler Murray making that, making that first round, being that first round pick um, and going up to the podium first. But I honestly would not be that surprised if it didn't happen just simply because that's the nature of the draft. So we'll have to see what happens. I definitely think it's probably the best move for Arizona. But, I mean, you know, the biggest thing about the draft is trying to find that flaw. And maybe they they figure out that Kyler Murray's flaws are too big. But, I mean, we'll have to see what happens. So Yeah, I mean, you also get, you know, trades. You get everything going. Like two years ago, you know, the Bears trade trade up and you get – Trubisky, so you know anything can happen. Honestly. Right, anything, anything. Like can we happen. could see, like the um, the Dolphins trade from thirteen to like five, five or the sorry, thirteen to three to select um, 
you know, a quarterback. So because you know the Jets are trying to trade down, so anything can happen. And that's that's the best part about the draft. So yeah, mm-hmm. if I'm the Jets, yeah. like you said, I would definitely look. If I'm getting calls on draft day, I would definitely yeah. if I if I can if they can move down and they can get maybe a second round pick with the later first round pick. I mean, I'm all in for that because the Jets they got their guy. They believe in Sam, in Sam Darnold, and they got Le'Veon Bell now to go to go with them, and maybe just they can get a receiver to second round supplement uh Le'Veon in the backfield and on the outside get a receiver I mean that'll be a, I think that'll be a win for the Jets definitely and yeah maybe like for sure another team you gotta look out for in New York is the Giants I'm just I'm kind of I don't really know what Dave Gettleman's gonna do I'm really I'm just confused because last year <laughs> that's so true. you take Saquon Barkley and you pass up on a lot of quarterbacks that, that were taken like like Sam Darnold last year um and I'm, I'm just kind of you the direction of the team, gonna I don't be know. That face, they let go it's of it's going to have to be somebody. At and they some let go point of here. Landon Collins on the defense, and I, I just yeah. don't get where they're what direction. No, Dell, of course, is gone now, so I'm I'm just kind of confused where they're headed. And if they don't take a quarterback, they're probably going to hear a, a lot from the media yeah. and fans. We'll have, to, we'll have to see because it's gonna that's going to be one of the more dramatic ones. But um, yeah, that's basically what the 2019 NFL draft is looking like right now. And I think we should probably um, move forward. Um, th- our next segment here. Um, each of us picked out uh, two players to be um, for teams to be excited for, and basically it's a decent mix of players um, just that we're willing to give some shout-outs to. So I think we'll just go around the table one player at a time, um, and we'll just go two times around because we have two players. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Jay, would you like to start with your first player? Yeah, sure. Uh, Quinn, I mean, this is an obvious one, but Quinn Williams, I mean, he, this guy, I mean, He's being. I looked on some mock drafts, and they're saying he's being drawn in comparisons like Aaron Donald. I mean, he can rush the passer, stop the run. He can do everything you want in a guy. He had eight and a half sacks, but that's not. He had nineteen and a half tackles for loss, which is insane for you know a guy up front. So, you know, it's you know it's gonna be exciting to see this guy uh, next year. And I'm, the, you know, the Niners gonna have a decision to make. You know, if they're gonna take Bosa or go inside to pair pair Williams with uh, DeForest Buckner. So. Yeah, a lot, lot to like about this guy. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Michael, do you want to yep. go first player? So the first guy we were just talking about him, but Dwayne Haskins, I think, and also I could throw mm-hmm. in other names like Drew Locke, of course, from from Missouri, and Daniel Jones from Duke, the two quarterbacks. I mean, we've we've seen John Gruden. He's talked up because I think he was on his Senior Bowl team, uh, Drew Locke, that is, and he he really had a lot of positive things to say about him and his game mm-hmm. and his attitude and whatever, all that stuff. Um, but I think. It'll be interesting to see. After I think Murray will be will be the first quarterback out the board at number one. I think that um, Cliff and his guys will take him because that fits their system too perfectly. To, I think the pass up on him, even right. though they could get a guy like Nick Bosa. But I think you got to do that for the future of the franchise. But I think I'm interested just to see then how the quarterbacks play out after that. I still That's think that true. Dwayne Haskins will be the next guy off the board. But I think like I said earlier, like the guy like a team like the Dolphins could move up. I think they're at pick 13 right now. Mm-hmm. around there and they can move up possibly to six and move back with the Giants if they all of a sudden think Eli's still they can still use him for another year which I don't think that is a smart move but they could do that so I'm just interested to see yeah where Dwayne Haskins there's a lot of movement right now like more than other years with, with yeah. so many teams needing a quarterback right now and the emphasis on on quarterback and such like teams like even like the Broncos too is another team to throw in there like they could get aggressive Joe Flacco's best years are behind them I think and Definitely, there's a lot of teams that are, have kind of a bridge quarterback right now, and they could take a a young a young quarterback uh, like we saw with Patrick Mahomes, of course, mm-hmm. when Alex Smith was still there. You kind of groomed him after, for one year under um, Smith, and then they unleashed him the next year. So I think yeah, I, there's a lot of teams that could move up to 
possibly the Giants pick or even earlier than that too get their guy yeah i mean just real quick fun fact about dwayne haskins i mean we we were waiting on a bunch of things we were just talking about the giants but um you know they uh the last time a big 10 quarterback i think was uh drafted in the top 10 was like 1995 so there's there's been a long drought here and so the the big question is uh where dwayne haskins is gonna end up and yeah well we're gonna have to see what happens then, this was the moment when, sounds like somebody's walked in, two long-time uh, characters on the show. You guys are uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> Stormed into the room. We're on it right now, all right? Blondie, you know what? Going over our draft coverage, and you're just <laughs> interrupting. You guys are just storming in here. To confront Jay about the Dwayne Haskins take. Just how do you feel about yourself telling you Here's, you're not even on here, so. <laughs> Dexter Williams is better than Saquon Barkley. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's a hot take. We apologize for the interruption, as this did in fact occur during this segment in the studio. Peters and Carson will return soon. Now back to the show. Anyway, moving in uh, to my first player, obviously I was going to have to bring up uh, one Michigan Wolverine because I, you know, I feel like I just have to do that at this point because, um, you know, people are gonna wonder which which player I'm gonna point out here, and um, you know, we got a good amount to choose from with Chase Winovich, Karan Higdon, Zach Gentry, um, some quality players, um, but as far as draft hype, um, while I would, you know, probably it would be logical to bring up Rashawn Gary and he's gonna be a big conversation considering his injury and how yeah. that affects his pick because. He's been long, long awaited as far as NFL draft uh, prospects. So there's that. I'm going to bring up Devin Bush, though, um, considering um, that, you know, he just he just has some crazy ability. So he's an inside linebacker. Um, and basically, he his big strength is that he's super, super explosive and he can um, cover a lot of field and find players really, really quickly. Um, so, you know, if you're looking for those powerful tackles there's some there's some videos on twitter and stuff even of him in practice just absolutely destroying practice dummies uh yeah. from running starts and that's kind of what he what he what he's super super good at i like to call him a ball seeking missile because that's basically what he is so um you know I, I expect him to go mid first round something like that um it'll be the question will be whether or not he can sneak into the top 10 if he does he'll probably go with the broncos at number 10 or whether he um falls out of that it'll be interesting but that's generally kind of the area where he probably will be drafted but um i think it's kind of crazy and i wouldn't expect this but i think that he's probably getting the most hype out of any michigan player this close to the draft which is weird because Rashawn gary is part of this conversation so yeah, yeah. um i have a question do you think Devin bush would draw comparisons to you know roquan smith or darius leonard do you think he could be that type of player i think that type of player for sure i don't know how he's gonna compare to them in the end um but i mean he's he's in that type of yeah. sphere as far as yeah. as far as you know the as far as the type of player that you're looking at for sure yeah. and lewis riddick called uh Devin bush the best player he thinks in the draft so wow definitely i don't know about that like, i think that he's up there though and again but i I'm, i do respect uh riddick a lot he's he's definitely been he's he's been a big believer in the bears of yeah. course and he's since really, day he's one really. and i i think he's definitely one of the better guys at espn of course some yeah. of the guys i don't know i'm, I'm not too 
to take to take their information. Sometimes I just kind of I'm not just I'm let them talk and Mal, don't really Mal take Kuyper it all. Mal Kuyper and Tom McShay they're pretty good. They're but pretty they, good, they but can get, you know, sometimes, sometimes yeah. Lewis Riddick's spot on. He's one of the so. more yeah better guys at ESPN to take information from. Um, but I think yeah, if mm-hmm. if he's saying that uh, Bush is one of his top guys, you know, I think a lot of teams will. Like a Broncos, that would be a perfect ideal fit for I, them. I think that 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 would be the best fit, and that's that's going to be the interesting part is whether he gets up there, and um, yeah, especially where he's drafted relative to Rashawn Gary, because Rashawn Gary is a big question because he's such he's such a powerful you know player, but yeah. then there's that injury that has been kind of plaguing him for a while, and you know, unlike Nick Bosa, he played through it, and it kind of continued. So we're gonna have to see what happens with that. Um, but yeah. So, Michael, what's who's your first player? Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. you, we actually went through. We went so, through. so Jay, go we'll go. Jay. B- we'll go back to Jay. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, your second player. Yeah, another beast in this draft. I'm uh, probably gonna be a top five pick. You know, Josh Allen. I mean, he had seven. Uh, yeah, he had 17 sacks. You know, 2018 for Kentucky and helped them with you know a 10 and three record, which is you know. Is that like the best in their history? Because I mean, they're they're a basketball school, so he it's really got to be up there. One he, of their he better. He really, he really helped their. their de- he really bo- helped bolster their defense. And I'm looking at you know the Oakland Raiders, you know drafting him just because you know they need like uh they lost like a guy they lost a guy in the name of Khalil Mack, so maybe he'll take over that spot. I don't think he'll be as good as Khalil Mack, but I think he'll be, I think he'll be relatively close. Right. You know. You know his athleticism is crazy. You know, he can get out. His speed is – I love his speed. You know, get off the edge really, you know, quick. So, you know, he, he's a freak talent. You know, he's a, you know, again, you know, his athleticism helps him, you know, w- you know, with, you know, getting off the edge. So, I think the Raiders – well, I think the Raiders will be taking him, but, you know, anything can happen. So, yeah, yeah. well, we'll have to see what happens. I definitely agree. He's the Khalil Mack type of player. Whether he gets up to that caliber, I'm not sure. Yeah. But, I mean – Yeah, the Raiders, I think, need to go defense. That, so, that would – that's, really that's pick, a high so. bar to set, yeah. but I think that, you know, this is definitely, um, you know, I think that the Raiders definitely need to fill that hole. That's kind of the biggest thing because I don't think that that decision has aged well, that's for sure, no. considering how much Cleo Mack has been loved around here and, um, you know, how. And he had a home run, basically. How relatively easily, right, yeah. how relatively easily, basically, he was given to the Bears so um, yeah. yeah we're gonna have to see what they do but I definitely think they're going defense and Josh Allen's yeah. probably up there for sure yeah. uh, Michael you're so, number two yeah so Noah Fant the tight end from Iowa I've been I really love this guy he's he's definitely he's definitely probably the best tight end um, this year I think and I think that teams like the Raiders they could be in the conversation maybe and late round pick he that's where he's projected late first round early second round but uh, I think the Packers are a team to look out for yeah. Of course, with the new, their new head coach Matt Lafleur, um, he's leaned he leaned heavily last year in a three tight end set in Tennessee when he was there um, as the offensive coordinator. But have a, but now he's in Green Bay, of course, and Aaron Rodgers um, love his tight ends, uh, Jimmy Graham, of course, and Mercedes Lewis, who's definitely not the kind of the caliber as Jimmy Graham is, I guess, and kind of was. But I think if you bring a guy in like Fant, uh, Noah Fant, I guess he can learn from um, Jimmy Graham for a couple years, however long Jimmy stays um, in Green Bay or if he retires uh, coming up in a couple years, but he can learn under uh, Jimmy Graham, then he can kind of just expand his role each each game, each season, after the first year even, um, because you don't really see tight ends that often in their first year, like Mm -hmm. put up big big numbers, but maybe even if like Jimmy Graham gets hurt or something or Mercedes Lewis isn't playing up up to par or whatever, then they they could plug in a guy like Noah, and I think he's he's definitely one of the more valuable players on the offensive side in this draft. Pretty under underappreciated too. There's, I mean, you know, 
even though not too much, um, you know, conversation out of uh, Iowa City as far as the team goes, they got a lot of draft prospects and they're going to make a splash this year. So, mm-hmm. um, Noah Fant's definitely the leader of that. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, my number two, I guess, last but not least, um, he was brought up earlier by um, our guys who stormed in. You got you guys may or may not see some of that, <laughs> but um, I have Marquise Brown, the wide receiver out of Oklahoma, is just another player to mention. Um, considering that the hottest topic of draft type has been Ky- Kyler Murray, and so often on the other side of those highlights um, is Marquise Brown. And um, as far as as far as he goes, yes, he is Antonio Brown's cousin, so that'll be interesting. Well, and it'll be interesting to see how um, teams respond to that as far as uh, ability to um, say stuff on social media. But other than that, I mean, he his his strengths here are definitely his ability to just um, just beat angles downfield and get separation, which is something that I think NFL teams are going to more and more look for. I think, you know, as far as the NFL model, I, th- I feel like there's definitely the biggest thing is making those making those short first down throws and the biggest thing is to do that is to get separation with your receivers and that's one of his big strengths his big weakness obviously is his size he's super small um so we're gonna have to see how that works it might take a couple years for him to really get active but um i think that considering the style of the game it's going to be something big um to look at because um his strengths really really apply to um how to make an explosive nfl offense so yeah he's assuming his, assuming his size works out um we'll have to see i think he's a mid to low first rounder so yeah, yeah. and also before um we, we move on i guess also wanted to say tj hawkinson another guy from yeah. iowa they have two guys that could possibly go first round um two tight ends from the, on the same team so that's definitely something to look out for for the big 10 i guess yeah and the school of Iowa to definitely be proud of. And, w- and one question for Joey: How would you compare? Um, how would you compare Marquise Brown, like a guy like DK Metcalf? Like, what, what do you think the difference is there? Um, I, I mean, I, th- I think different I mean, kinds of players, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, just I mean, just slight difference. I mean, as far as the the thing, the thing really is that you know, it's it's like small size, but there's there's some good speed there and yeah. like i said separation so yeah. i mean that's that's really what you're looking at with a guy like marquise brown is are you going to are you going to value that speed and are you going to use that or is he just going to be a normal wide receiver and if you play him that way he might get you know destroyed by the nfl size so that's yeah. that it it's really going to depend on how how the nfl how the nfl team that picks him will use him because that can either be um, really, really beneficial, or it could totally destroy a team because of his size. So, it, it, it's just depending on the way he's used. It's definitely gonna, it's definitely gonna affect how his career turns out. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. I mean, I think you know you need size in the NFL, and you know we'll see if Marquise Brown can you know live up to that. So, yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how everything you know plays out. So. Yep, for sure. All right, so the NFL draft is Thursday through Sunday. Uh, well, sorry, Thursday through Saturday. It's in Nashville. This year, um, as usual, it's um, on your usual sports networks. I'm pretty sure the first round is going to be on ESPN and NFL Network. They're, both on, they're both on NFL Network and ESPN. So, yeah. I yeah, think so there actually I mean, might be ABC, I think. The both. First, I think ESPN probably because ESPN yeah. and ABC, I guess, are. I know. Either way, it's a, it's, a huge, it's a huge media circus, and for good reason. I mean, it's a lot of fun. For, yeah. you know, Michael and I, obviously, it's it's cool because, you know, in the end, we do originate as being football guys. And, you know, football the, guys. this is, this is kind of where uh, college <laughs> football and the NFL comes together, yeah. you know. So. Um, it's it's always an exciting event. Um, so yeah, definitely look forward to that. 
if you're watching this, the draft is probably either happening right now um, or it already happened. Or if you're one of our first listeners, which is awesome, um, it's happening in a couple hours. So definitely check that out. Um, yeah, Jay, do you have anything else to say about the 2019 NFL draft? Uh, I mean, uh, no. I mean, it's just defensive heavy, you know, it's teams, you know, like the Raiders or Jets, you know, defensive need teams are going to be, you know, salivating. And I think it's it's going to show if with guys like Josh Allen and, you know, guys that can rush the passer, you know, and, you know, with guys later rounds like greedy, like later, like late first round, like Greedy Williams from mm-hmm. LSU. He was a really, he's a really nice, you know, another good corner. player that took yeah, us a really while nice mention, corner. Which I forgot about him, and you know, I think he'll, I think he'll be a nice sleeper for late first round. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. Jay, thanks for being on the show. This was awesome. Thanks a lot for having me. And we'll see you later. And uh, yeah, we'll send it back to thanks, Jay. Uh, the next segment. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, welcome back from uh, Let's Sit Down. Hopefully you enjoyed that, especially um, some certain people that we know storming into the studio. But um, that, w- that was a big fun moment. But, yeah, yeah as, as said, um, Carson and Peters are, you know, longtime listener, first-time callers will be. Every time. <laughs> yeah, as always. We'll, they will actually be on their first normal show. We'll see how this goes. Um, next week so it should, be fun. <laughs> it should be fun we'll see we'll see what happens we're probably just going to talk about general hot takes because it can yeah, go in any direction i don't know um, where it's going to go <laughs> we'll see we'll start somewhere but, end up somewhere else so but yeah he'll, the, they'll they'll get their own chance to um kind of uh you know have their own chances of get i guess kind of full response to uh what they claim jay decoster has done which is steel takes so you know they'll get, they'll get their time in the show, so that was that was kind of a fun moment. But yeah, hopefully you enjoyed. Let's sit down um, and let's move into our next segment. Um, actually, before we do that, real quick, um, I do want to say once again, uh, local music. You know, if you have it, send it. Um, we're still we're still up for that. So um, yeah, make sure you do that if you're interested. Um, we're interested in playing your stuff right now. But yeah, so let's move into they don't scout like this. <laughs> Okay, so for They Don't Scout Like This, uh, we talked a lot about the Ceiling Cup playoffs lately um, and some just random NBA stories, I guess, but um, really no general NBA playoffs talk, so I thought that we should dedicate this segment to um, the sources of excitement that we can have for the NBA playoffs. And there's a bunch of different directions to go. Um, And basically, um, yeah, we're just gonna we're just gonna go through it right now and look at the playoffs um, currently. So, uh, Michael, do you have anything right at the top of the show to look at as far as just exciting things in these NBA playoffs right now? I think besides, of course, we said a team that's forgotten was the Trailblazers we mentioned earlier. Right, it's been forgotten. I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense based on the way they played last year in the first round. Of course, getting swept in four and just four in four games against uh, the New Orleans Pelicans. Of course, I think Dame and CJ McCollum, all the guys there. They definitely rallied around um, this this year, and they didn't want to be that team again to lose in four games and go home in the first round after having a, a really great regular season. So they definitely are a team to look forward to. But going to the East now, the Bucks, I, they're another team that's just always for. I don't know why, I think but that they're just being in Milwaukee, they're definitely the leading force in this conversation right now. So and they've been the one seed all year long in the East, and you just you hear more of the 76ers than you do of the Bucks, and the Sixers were the three or four seed, I believe, and I, you, have, you hear more of the Raptors, too, any of those other teams. 
that are in the hunt. You hear a lot more from them than the Bucks, even though the Bucks are the best team in the NBA this year based on the regular season. And I think just being probably in Milwaukee, not getting that, that big market kind of kind of attention that other teams get, such as um, other teams uh, like kind of like the Knicks, I guess even get more attention. They probably do. Right. And they, it's crazy. And they are horrible. Um, and so I think, but the Bucks are a team that I'm really looking forward to watch in the second round. Of course, they swept or they swept the uh, Detroit Pistons. A lot of credit to Blake Griffin though, playing through that um, pretty bad injury he had, but. He he played through it, pers- he persevered through it, and definitely, even though they got swept, I I give a lot of credit to him for just gutting it out. And I think another team look forward to still is is the Seventy Sixers. I think that'll be kind of cool if we can get it'll be interesting get a matchup between the Bucks and them. Um, but I think I think if they if Joel Embiid can stay healthy throughout the rest of the playoffs, of course that's that's always a big question with him, and he's already been injured going into these playoffs, and he's not played in every single game in the playoffs and I think I think they they need him if they want to they want to move on um going into the later stages of the playoffs such as the finals so it'll be I think it's going to be really exciting to see what happens now and I yeah. think I still think the Bucks are the favorite but it still is wide open honestly and the Raptors could sneak in there 76ers like I said and there's there's a lot of teams that could really I still think make some noise Yeah I mean considering who I am and what I'm wearing right now obviously uh, the NBA playoffs don't really define this time of year for me, but I mean, um, you know, looking at looking at these playoffs, I think the biggest thing is there's a lot of um, new rising talent, new rising potential in lots of different teams, specifically in the Eastern Conference, which is something that at least for me is engaging because I feel like as far as the NBA goes, I as far as like you know, once you get deeper into each conference, I think I identify with. Uh, the franchises in the Eastern Conference a lot more. Just seeing, you know, even the Milwaukee Bucks, just because they're so local. Yeah. Um, it's kind of fun to see that they're doing well. Um, you know, 76ers, obviously, they're you know, despite um, their lack of success lately. I mean, they're building, and you know, they are a classic NBA franchise. You know, just seeing that, seeing the Celtics. You know, all these teams out of the Eastern Conference that are starting to move in an upward direction is kind of exciting and so we'll have to see what happens especially with Giannis and the Bucks. I think the thing is for them to make a huge splash and um and you know for Giannis to make a huge splash I think he he has to um have a big playoff run this year. I think they need to I mean at least probably make it um to the conference finals, maybe even to the finals. I don't think they have to win this thing. Um, to to make to send their message. I mean, I feel like people can basically accept that the that the current like you know superstars um, probably are going to beat a rising superstar in Giannis. But um, you know, as far as um, you know, as far as that goes, that that's exciting. Rising talent and kind of a period where the the league's transitioning. So we'll have to see if it transitions to an exciting place, and that's kind of the fun part. Yeah, and the of Bucks, the playoffs this year. And the Bucks looked. Um, they're the next coming days. They're going to try and see where. Malcolm Brogdon's at, of course, he's he's a big part of their team. Yeah, uh, being sure. their point guard, starting point guard on their team, um, and I think. But so I guess here I'll just break it down the the remaining teams that are left. So in the East, the conference semis, we have Milwaukee playing against Boston, then Philly, Toronto, then heading to the West, we have um, the only team that is locked in right now is is the Portland Trailblazers, of course, defeating Oklahoma. But then the the, the series we have left in the West, of course, Golden State's up three one right now against L A. Mm-hmm. That'll probably end. And tonight, then we have Houston versus 
uh, Utah, and that's probably going to end pretty soon, I think. The, the Rockets have looked really good this series. I mean, yeah, lots of fun matchups building but up. The one, especially, like... Yeah, the last one is Denver versus San Antonio, and that's actually been a really good series. It's kind yeah, of been it's kind, kind of, of under the radar with DeMar under DeRozan the radar, underrated. I mean, really well. I, sometimes you forget that the Nuggets are the two seed in the West. I know. They, <laughs> I mean, it's you know yeah. it's a big year for them. They're another so. team that gets forgotten too. Jamal Murray is a great player. Yeah, and they definitely they they've burst on the scenes too, and I think it's going to be exciting actually. More right. than more than the last couple of years, I think. Of course, we just know who's going to come out of the West every year. Right. And East this kind of year, it's a little bit more in question. Yeah, but now so. it's it's more in question. So yeah, we're in that transition period. So it's 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 going to be interesting to see how things um, and move into a new era. So yep. yeah, for sure. I think that the second round, as far as things go, the the most likely matchups are looking extremely exciting. Um, you know, Bucks Celtics is fun. Seventy um, Sixers. Raptors potentially yep. looks like a looks yes, like a good time. Up. I mean, the, the Orlando Toronto's wrapped up, so yeah, Toronto yeah. versus them. Warriors Rockets, um, you know, super talked about. So that one's that one's big. I mean, these are these are some big second round matchups. Um, you know that you know arguably and but this time you know it's a little bit more reasonable considering the NBA's you know straight up, um, you know one through eight playoff system. Um, Many of these matchups, I think people would more want to see later in the later in the playoffs, and we're getting all of them, um, you know, overwhelmingly at once in the second round. So things might get, you know, while you know hockey was absolutely, you know, destroying as of right now relative to the NBA, and then the NBA was kind of starting as usual and starting as predictable. There could be a slight change in the tide as things get a little bit more exciting in the second round. So Whatever we're going to have to look out for gonna that. It's going to be fun for at least the for East sure. right now. What's ready? And f- yeah, it's ready for the set East. in stone for the semis. And if Boston wins, I mean, if you, if you put a pair them against like the Raptors or 76ers, they got a good shot still. And I think they still have a good, a decently good shot against Milwaukee the way they played. Of course, the Pacers without Victor Oladipo aren't the same team, but they've really sure some things up. Gordon Hayward's been a phenomenal. Um, contributor i guess for their team the last couple of weeks and he's really burst on the scenes of ever since his injury of course he hasn't been the player he's wanted he's wanted he's want he wanted to be i guess once he came to boston he's going to be the guy but he's kind of he's slowly eased himself back and he's definitely starting to turn the corner and be the kind of near the player not of course the, the player he was with the jazz but he's starting to turn the corner and i think the boston if they can get Whatever they get out of him is a bonus to go along with Kyrie sure. and Jason Tatum, Al Horford, all those guys they have there. It would be interesting to see them go on a deep run, but you know they got they got some teams to go through on the West side. Um, it's you know it's going to be about what the Warriors can and can't do. Not as much as normal though, and that's the big thing. Right, is that um, it's a different year and it's a totally not, not different year team. and it's a little bit more open. So we're gonna have to see if all of these teams who have been, you know. All of these teams who have been decent in the last few years that have been trying to make their way out of the West and make it to those NBA Finals who haven't been able to get the chance because they're constantly boxed out by the Warriors, now we're going to have to see if they can make those big strides to take advantage of the of the opportunity that they have in front of them. So yeah. what, it's going to be an interesting second round once that starts. Cause, what, yeah. what could be good for Portland, too, they don't have to face um, Oklahoma, or Golden State until... Um, what would be the until the, the Western sem- Conference or the finals? finals. Yeah. So that that could be. A, I mean, if it still could be tough that they play against. It, it'll be tough either way against Denver. If that's the team they end up facing if San Antonio doesn't come back. But I think having the having the Rockets. Let's say the Rockets beat the Warriors or something like that. They're going to be gassed probably after that series, and that's going to take a lot of out a lot out of them. I'm not saying it won't against Denver, but being the Warriors, the team that they are, I think it's a bonus for them to have it, not having to play against them in the semis. Yep. 
Okay, so I think that's pretty much it right now. Um, but yeah, NBA playoffs yeah. continuing and as of well. Of course, the draft tomorrow night and the draft tomorrow night. There's just lots of fun. There's stuff a lot on. of. It's always spring's always a great time of year. Starting just in March, always kicking it off with March Madness and going into the NBA playoffs. Of course, NHL baseball started up. It's a good time of year. Yep, and obviously I got the phone out so you guys know what's next. It's your scouting. As always with your scouting, make sure you send in your questions for next week at 224-544-9330. We appreciate it. Um, questions from everybody. Um, it's always fun. And real quick here, let's get to our first caller. Sounds like Peter's talking there. We should hire Dusty Baker as our GM or hire Dale Swain as our GM. Anyway, have a good one, Joey. We all know the USC sucks. Fire Theo. Okay, so um, this was this was last week, and obviously a lot has changed since, but I used the call anyway to bring up the conversation. Obviously, this call hasn't really aged that well, um, even though, you know, obviously Shaw didn't seriously join the Fire Theo Club with Peters, but, I mean, you know, he's um, he was obviously upset with the Cubs start, as many of us were, but, um, yeah, they, they, they start 2-7, and seven, then now – they're just a little above. They're yeah. eleven and ten. They're just a little over five hundred right now, and you know they have they're pulling wins together. All of a sudden, things are looking good. So I mean, um, you know this is this is a this is a huge one for them. I mean, what yeah. do you what do you think at this point, Mike? I think based on the start we had, being two and seven, Eloy Jimenez being up for the White Sox. I think with Dylan C's on his way, I think the Cubs fans are starting to get worried. Like, what do we do here with trading for Jose Quintana? But ever since. That two and seven to start, Quintana's turned it around, he's, and he's, he's been, been a main factor. And, and he's of course, the name number yeah, up. Theo's kind of shouldered the blame. It's it was on him, of course, the way the team played. He took the blame for how they played at the end of the last year and the start for this year. But I think the team's all right. I think I was worried a little bit about. I'm still worried about the bullpen a little bit. But if the, the offense, I mean, the offense it. has been phenomenal, and that was a worry a lot last year. At at times, they could be. Um, they were streaky, and they didn't have that streakiness to them. They were just bad at the end of the last year. Right. And I was worried for them, and a couple guys are still struggling, like Kyle Schwarber, Chris Bryan are struggling. But the bottom of the order, guys like Daniel Descalso, which is a great signing, mm-hmm. and other guys, uh, Wil- uh, Wilson Contreras has been phenomenal this year. He's more mm-hmm. in the middle of the order, but he's been great. Um, but I think the guy that's been the, the the most impressive has been Jose Quintana, the way he's the way he's for pitched sure. these last three outings. I think he's either gone – I think he's gone seven in the last three outings, and he had 11 strikeouts, I believe, his last start, uh, or two starts ago because he pitched last night against the Dodgers in the 7-2 victory. But he's been he's been great, of course. I don't I still don't think we came anywhere close to winning that Eloy Jimenez trade. I think he's going to be a phenomenal all-star um, each year uh, for, for the Southsiders, and Dylan Seas is going to be another great talent. But I think if we can get what we're getting from Jose Quintana, the guy we thought we were going to get, I think Cubs fans should be happy. But, of course... The bullpen's still going to be a little worrisome. Brandon Morrow shut down for the foreseeable future, and that's going to be definitely going to be hindersome for the Cubs um, and their bullpen. Of course, Morrow really hasn't been that healthy ever since he's been here, but they need him, another another weapon in the bullpen. And I mean, they the bullpen has kind of turned it around a little bit. They've guys like Steve Shusak has pitched very well. Pedro Strope's been been fine, and I think I think the Cubs are definitely 
in a much, they're definitely way in a, in a way better spot where they were t- after two and seven. But the fire Theo, I mean, he's done so much for the Cubs organization. I think. Right. I think that he's starting to real. He's starting to realize too that those moves he made a couple years ago they weren't the right moves, and now he has to buckle down. Now, and, now he's buckled, buckling down, yeah. making some changes. And I and think he's fully open to that, they, they which is exactly what he should want yeah. from yeah. a you know a leader of baseball operations yeah. like Theo. Um, but yeah, I mean, the biggest thing for me too is Quintana. I mean, this is, this is something we haven't, at least in my opinion, haven't really seen out of the Cubs since like Jake Arrieta, as far as just like a dominant pitcher. And that's something that they absolutely need, um, to at least, um, you know, have a strong strength that that can at least combat their weaknesses a little bit. And, you know, Jose Quintana is all of a sudden, uh, becoming that player, which is super exciting. And, um, we we may, you know, we got Lester back too. We may, we may have you know, a more interesting Cubs team all of a sudden. So And also Tyler Chatwood pitched pitch really well the other day. Yeah. Sunday afternoon turn things that's, around. That's if he can do be just be anything, just not walk with like uh eight I think Shaw used to call him. Um I did too. Uh this of course the way he played the abysmal play of, of him from last year. He he was supposed to be a guy that he they could give us some innings in as the fifth guy in the rotation, but he he hasn't panned out but Stepping up in Lester's spot, um, taking up that fifth spot. Of course, you probably get moved back to the bullpen once John gets back. But if he can be anything in the bullpen, either as a long man or, or just a regular reliever, or as a starter, even if if a guy goes down and plug him in, I think he'll be a very valuable player if he if we can get like at least four or five innings from him each time he comes out and and he doesn't and walks around a problem like it wasn't the other night or the other day, Sunday night or Sunday during the day. Excuse me. Um, in their last series, I think against Diamondbacks, I think he's he's definitely a valuable player if he can be if if, if he if he can be something. But that's that's a big question, of course. Yep, for sure. All right, let's move on to our second and final call. Hey, long time listener, first time caller. Uh, as you may or may not know, Tim Anderson of the Chicago White Sox just got suspended for pimping a dinger with a sick bat flip, and. Uh, Royals White Sox game a few days ago, and you know, this is part to hold another debate on bat flips. There's a lot of people who just hate fun, think it's just childish and just like rude. So, my question is do you think that batters should be able to throw the bats at pitchers who celebrate strikeouts? <laughs> I'll hang up and listen. Okay, so first of all, obviously, with this story, um, there's a bigger thing that needs to be addressed just real quick at the top here. I mean, obviously, uh, there are other reasons that uh, Tim Anderson got his one-game suspension that's being talked about, um, considering that uh, there were some words that were used in this situation, and, um, you know, it was perceived in different ways, and it ended up causing um, a suspension in the end. That's the direction that the league went. Um, I mean, at least in my personal opinion, I don't even know if I should um, really have the ability to have much of an informed opinion on this type of thing just naturally based on who I am I just don't have the cultural cultural uh, perspective that I would need to make a judgment call in this situation so I mean at least for me I'm kind of staying out of this as far as just like you know I, I, I can't make the full judgment so I you know who am I to step in and you know say what should or should not happen but yeah that's why the one game su- suspension happened but I guess on the other hand um, there is the conversation about bat flips that Carson brought up, yep. and uh, this is one that we've had before. I mean, as far as just um, you know, the, the the broader conversation of just you know, batter pitcher annex and the unwritten rules of baseball is something that you know uh, we can talk about. And we have talked about a lot, um, but I, I mean, I think that 
I'm I'm starting to just move toward considering that, um, you know, I'm I'm I've stated before that I'm against the shortening and amending of baseball rules to just make the game shorter because I don't think that's what they yeah, need I don't to like do. That at all. I just think we need to just get rid of games. That's my personal opinion. But I think that what what could be done to add to the experience is, you know, players should be able to um, be more emotional, and I think that you know, bat flips and those types of things. Um, should be more justified than they yeah. are now. And I think, like you said, I think old school and new school kind of have to figure it out. I think they got to find kind of like a medium in between um, that they can, I guess, kind of work work out. Because you got the old school guys saying, "Well, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be able to throw your bat, and then I should be able to then hit you the next." I mean, pitch. It's just it's kind of a mess, I think. Right. And the guys need to figure it out. Like well, the new school guys, like, well, I can throw my bat now. I, it's new. It's a new era of baseball. But the, the old school guys still are. If they do that, they're going to plunk them the next at bat. So that's not kind of the culture you want to create in the baseball game. You got all these new school players more passionate than they've ever than they've ever been. And I think I think these I guess older kind of players, I guess the guys that are kind of I guess grown up differently around the game, more I guess kind of the more respectful way, I guess the less kind of passionate way, the more of the I mean this fall fall the rules kind of way um, to, to play baseball. I think they need to figure out if if bat flips. If a guy throws his bat, just don't lose your mind about it and start right. a brawl or whatever. I think the baseball needs to figure. Let's let, you got to have a rule. Can you? I think you need to put some something in place that if you throw your bat, if it's legal, then the guy can't come back and just hit you in retaliation. I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be regardless out. of your perspective. I, I I think it's something that needs to be clarified. It's a bad look. Sure. It's it's a bad look either way, yeah. considering that there's these conflicts. But these, so I mean, it's it yeah. the I guess. The unwritten rules in baseball, at least in this situation, should become written. Yeah. And that's what needs to happen as far as bad flips go. And, um, but I'm yeah, not saying... I think, I think baseball needs yeah. passion. That's just my opinion. But even if you don't think that baseball needs passion, there needs to be a consensus that happens at some point here. So yeah. I'm yeah, not saying that sure. just picking up your bat and chucking in the other team's dugouts, all right? I'm just saying, like, if right. you want to show some some emotion after a home run and just kind of throw your bat to towards the dugout or whatever, towards the home dugout, I'm fine with that. And then... I think fans kind of like to see that kind of stuff. For sure. Of course, like celebrations after home runs, like all, like kind of the, I guess, walk-up music's fans get into that too. All that other good, like the home run celebrations afterwards in the dugout mm-hmm. once they get once they get back after the home run shot. I think that's good, great stuff for baseball. Of course, the outfield celebrations too after games are, are always fun to watch. And I think, I think it's kind of like the NFL. It's kind of, sometimes it can turn into the no fun league, like, like, the, like the acronym for the NFL. But for baseball too, it can be the same way, and people that are NFL moved in a more fun direction. They so have. maybe the NBA fall. I mean, MLB follows through. I mean, so all sports leagues follow through. To be honest, yeah. Hopefully, they can figure it out, and I just think I think they will eventually. But people just got to be got to be open to that. This is the new era of baseball, and guys and guys are going to be very passionate, and they're not trying to show a guy up. I don't think, and they just they just want to win a game for their team, and they're not trying to show anybody up. So for sure. Um, so yeah, that's uh, your scouting. Um, some big conversations, obviously, um, as far as the White Sox go. By the way, they're um, not bouncing back as much as the Cubs, so we'll we'll have to see what happens with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, that was your scouting. As always, once again, send in your questions two two four five four four nine three three zero. We appreciate it um, from anybody and everybody to ask any national sports questions because we will definitely talk about it on the show. And let's move into our last segment. Just wait till next week. 
So for me, the thing I'm excited for for next week is draft results. I think it's more fun to talk about the draft after it happens, to be honest, because there's always some drama and a lot to break down. So we'll make sure we get into that. There's going to be even more hockey. Um, game seven between uh, the Caps and Canes tonight is going to be a blast. Seven, I can't wait. I love I love the Car- we we've we've kind of had uh, a little bit of a love for the Carolina Hurricanes on this show, considering. Um, how they've they've Management, brought some yeah. excitement into the NHL. So that's, again, another part of that previous conversation we were just having. Um, but, yeah, looking forward to that Game 7 and more hockey in the future. And then um, next week, uh, new sport enters. Um, our conversation, obviously, is the first um, of the three races for the Triple Crown happens. Um, of course, one of the biggest sports spectacles, uh, the Kentucky Derby, is approaching as May comes in. And, of course, it's always the first Saturday in May. So that's a conversation, I think, considering that we have – uh, guys like Carson and Peters on the show next week. It should be a fun topic because yeah. I want to see what their opinions are about um, the horses running the Kentucky Derby this year. So, yeah, we're we're gonna have to see what happens next week. But um, yeah, I'm excited for those things. Yeah. So also like you s- I've been looking forward to the draft. I'm always I always love watch not really watching it, but just seeing what unfolds. I guess for it's sure. Kind of all the drama, I guess, leading up the smoke screens from executives, I guess, agents, whatever goes on there. I try to send teams a message that my my guy, I guess, isn't from an agent's perspective, is the guy you want. Of course, there's a lot of false rumors. All all the hoopla, I guess, leading up to it is always fun, and I, it's gonna be interesting to see where the Cardinals go if they go, if they go quarterback, take Kyler Murray or another guy. I I presume it would be Murray if they take anyone mm-hmm. at, at a at a quarterback at number one overall. But be, so then Rosen could be moved during the draft, which would be uh, which would be really. Um, exciting for for fans to see where he goes. Teams like we mentioned with with Jay, like a Denver or Miami or Cincinnati, even that can move up, or and then you can see the Jets can move back even as yeah. they got their quarterback. That's the big thing. Just, I, we didn't I'm talk excited. about it too much, but we did we did think about it, so those trades. Well, we're gonna have to see what happens with that because yeah, for all we know, we have a, a completely different board than what we were talking about on the show. So yeah, that's 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 true. It's it's more different than I think in the. I think we saw some trades. We've seen more trades than we ever have these last couple of years. Of course, with the Bears moving up to get Mitch Trubisky, and of course the um, Kansas City Chiefs moving up to get Mahomes a couple of years. The same mm-hmm. in that same draft. And then last year too, there was even there was probably the same amount of trades. Um, but I think it was more pre-draft stuff like the Jets moved up to get then Darnold. I forgot what pick they had then, but they, I know they moved up some spots to get Darnold, their guy. So teams that are aggressive to get their quarterbacks, they want to get their guy, and they're not afraid to give up drafts slots to get their guy so as it'll be interesting to see what team this year wants the quarterback finds a guy that they fall in love with from the pre-draft analysis and the combine whatever senior bowl all that good stuff so it'll be interesting sure. to see who who's um who, who goes where for quarterbacks at least and there's a lot of others exciting talent on the defense nick bosa um john jonathan allen so many a lot names. of a lot of great yeah. names that are going to be drafted tomorrow night so it'll be fun yeah i mean as as we talked about um you know, this show was originally It Matters Now and it was about postseason football and it was about college football and the NFL. Yep. And this is the this is the one weekend where both of those worlds collide. So for us it's kind of a fun time. And yeah, talking about all those results considering how many people are, are coming out of college football and per, per, you know, eventually, you know, this weekend gonna take their places in the NFL, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Um Topic. Yeah, There's going to be a lot to of fun to- topics to really talk about next week. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that's all we got today. Congratulations for sticking through, as always, and listening to this whole thing. Apologies for the little break-in thing, but that was fun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Make sure you if, – if, We're, we're sure going to be locking it. the door from now on. But. Yeah, but I think if – if you if you fast forward to now, I guess make sure you catch it. Go back and catch that yeah, interview. Make make sure you catch catch that because it, it was fun to edit. But yeah, 
Um, yeah. So, yeah. Subscribe to listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public. Uh, give us a positive review on there. Give us five stars. It's super helpful. Um, we need some more subscribers on YouTube. We got a good amount in, during the first week where we set our goal of um, 93 million at this point. <laughs> Let's see where we're, it, we're probably where getting it is there as far closer. as relative to T-Series right now. Let's see. 95. Okay, it's now 95, guys. Darn. We're falling behind, but I think we can still do it by the end of the year. So we, we got to get people subscribing. We still got a month. We still we, got a month. We still got a month. Um, so, of course, read The Four Scout, too. A lot of good articles. Um, Stephen Young and Michael Vallone have an NBA award predictions. That's pretty good. Carter Cran has a uh, Bulls, you know, what do they need to do next. That's pretty good. There's a bunch more out there. Um, yeah, so get ready for another week of Sports Scouts next week. In the meantime, as always, we'll keep on scouting. See you guys, See you guys later. kids play their game seven tonight and even though i play a woodwind instrument it is a brass bonanza